Thanks for downloading this podcast from RNIB Connect Radio. Jamie, thank you so much for joining me here in the studio today. Now, I am so excited to have you here on the programme because there's so much I want to ask you and I don't know where to start, but I think probably the most obvious place would be the fact that uh, you are a blind comedian. How did you lose your sight? Well, I've got RPE, retinitis pigmentosa, so... I technically, I, I'd all, I, I didn't really know I was going to lose my sight until kind of like mid-teens, um, fun times. And it just started to go then. It went downhill. And I believe it's going to continue to go downhill. I don't really go to the hospitals much anymore because I've kind of decided until they've got a cure for it, there is not really much point in me going there. I only find out that there's a lot of like white mice getting cured and stuff at the moment. So I just end up very jealous. <laughs> <you know? laughs> I know exactly what you mean. It's funny because a lot of people come up to me and say, you know, there's this breakthrough uh, treatment for for blind people and, you know, there's a possibility you might be able to get your sight back. And I think a lot of people are just, you know, their intentions are very good and kind, but they don't realise that one eye condition is completely different to another and they can't all be cured the same way. So, yeah, I get that completely. But, you know, you were a teenager when you lost your sight. And uh, I take it you were in mainstream school at the time. Uh, Yeah, I was... um well, I was Addington Grammar, um, and then they had kind of like they, they had the the VI unit in there, which is uh, pretty handy. And um, there was a fantastic few teachers. I got my um, textbooks blown up to A3. That didn't make you stand out at all. <laughs> <laughs> and like this, what was it? That raised board is like bring the book, you know, bring the book to you. And you know, you're trying to be pretty cool in high school. You're sitting around with a kind of massive magnifying glass and a little telescope going, all right, there you do. <laughs> but I remember like, I, one of my shows, I, I did try and push that to the kind of nth degree and uh, just to see what I could get away with with an audience. And I created an NHS alert bell, which was totally false. But I kind of got people to think that I had to walk around school shaking a little bell to alert people to me wanting path. And it was quite amazing that folk believed that. See, that's brilliant. You know, a lot of people will ask me about my guide dog and mm. how the dog knows where he's going. And, and I say that I program him in the morning. You know, I lift one ear. And once I've told him what I'm doing for the day, yes. then I just tap his ear three times. I don't trust times. guide dogs. That's why? why I don't have one. I just think they're always going to eat. Despite where you ask them to go, they'll take you to the park. I think there's just like a kind of load of blind guys just hanging about <laughs> going like, don't, don't tell anybody. Take me to the park again. I've just got a dog and it's not, it's not a guide dog. And that is confusing people. Like I'm walking up to them with this mad little spaniel on the thing, and they're thinking, that, that guy talks a bit rubbish, you know? <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Now, uh, you did start to lose your sight as a teenager, as we've mm-hmm. already established. And uh, I know that you're a very, very clever guy. Obviously, didn't hold you back at school because um, you were studying history. Yeah, I did, I did ancient history at St Andrews, um, a very nice uh, little sleepy university up there until Prince William. Mm-hmm. He came. Suddenly, you know, you're just in a little quiet, little bastion of education up in the East Nook of Fife and then wham every kind of like wannabe princess just arrived and all the kind of uh, and all the kind of people who wanted to be part of Prince William's entourage just made that town hell it went from being really quiet to really busy but um, it was very nice I got my degree up there yeah were you there at the same time he came a couple of years after right yeah so had a couple of years apiece oh right okay (laughs) (laughs) And then how do you compete with Prince William, do you know what I mean? Like, hey guys, I've got a light of white stick and I've got a nice big magnifying glass. (laughs) Or you could be queen. (laughs) Yeah, but from what I've heard, I think nowadays you'd probably be better looking. Yeah, probably. He's baldy now, isn't he? Nothing wrong with baldy men, but uh, just saying. Anyway, uh, (laughs) you did uh, get your degree there and uh, then you went up to Aberdeen to study law. Oh yeah, because... 
we were kind of fed a line at the start of university. You were saying, like, you know, it's not uh, the subject they're interested, it's the level of education. And that turned out to be, no, it's not. Like, not if the level of education is in ancient history. You know, there's not really much call for ancient historians. So I just kind of, like, took a breath and then went back and did the um, conversion course up at Aberdeen, which is the uh, the two-year conversion and, and I got the, the, the LLB up in Aberdeen and that, moving from St Andrews to Aberdeen, it's like, whoa, I'm in the city. <laughs> it was huge. It's like there's more than four streets. It's amazing. So how did you actually cope with your studies up there? Because it was, in fact, while you were up there that you started to use a cane for the first time because you'd been in sort of cane denial. I don't know about you, for, for a long time I was kind of too vain to cane. And I think uh, you were pretty much in the same situation, weren't you? You, you just didn't want to use it at all. You've done an alarming amount of research ahead of this mm. show. How do you know that? Where did you get that from? <laughs> um, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. No, I did. I, I was, yeah, I got to that point in St Andrews where um, I was definitely needing to use a stick and wasn't. And I'm ramming into people. I was just looking rude. Um, but I'd already been kind of four years or five years at St Andrews. So when I first went there, I probably should have been using a cane from the start, but I probably got away with not. But then by the end of uni, I wasn't really, but I was still there. So that kind of like four year gap, you know, suddenly being the, the same person that you'd known for three or four years, suddenly use a white stick. Just it was just crazy. So when I went to Aberdeen, I kind of went with the mission. It's like, right, new place, new degree, new city. Let's cane it. And um, and I did. And it was it was fantastic. Actually, it was uh, very um, liberating. liberating. Yeah, yeah, I'd imagine so. Although you never actually got any formal training, did you? <laughs> no, no. You're very I, naughty, James. I, I don't like this stuff like this. You know, like oh, I just kind of poke it about, spin it. People kind of know, fall down the occasional flight of stairs. I, I don't know. I, it seems to do okay. It's actually quite good um, for ankle smacking if yes. you're in a busy environment. So you know, I'd, I'd have to agree with you there. But yes, you didn't have any formal training. Why was that though? I think because I got a white stick and I didn't use it for like years. And I think when they gave me it, they tried to they tried to give me mobility training on it. But I mean, mobility training is a joke. Literally, it's in my show about how much of a joke it is. Because I just moved to a new flat in Glasgow, and I asked for mobility training right from from the council. I moved into that flat in March last year, and they phoned me up, no joke, a couple of weeks ago to see if I still wanted it. And it's like it's been a year. I found the way. You know, so it's, um, it's funny. Sometimes you hear uh, of things like that. It was a bit like me in bereavement counselling. Um, I was kind of two years after my mother died. I got a phone call saying, you know, we're, we're ready to counsel you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, you know, that's that's been yeah, and I'm, gone. I'm back. Yeah. I'm back. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Incredible. So, yeah. Absolutely incredible. My plan was to leave, um, uh, was just to invite them round and just leave a big skeleton in the hall. <laughs> for them to find like clutching a white stick and, and, and a bag for life you know oh dear oh dear so anyway listen you left yes. Aberdeen what did you do once you had your law degree uh, once I had my law degree I went down to London and I went into corporate finance um, with um, Bank of Scotland Corporate and I worked down there for a few years and it was fun, but I never really got on with banking. I never really, it was never really my thing. I was more kind of into well, comedy, drama. I did, I did drama A-level and stuff like that and um, corporate finance. I like, would go to the pub after work and it's like, man, you guys are still talking about work. You must find this interesting, you know. So I'm not really, I'm not really, it's not really my bag. I, I was not very good at it. Um, I didn't really know what I did. I was in a big kind of corporation. And and, um, and that's when I started kind of doing a little bit of um, open mic in uh, comedy. Right, because it was also the recession that kind of put an end to your banking oh, career, wasn't it? If I was an X-Man, my power would be 
a cataclysmic event to solve quite a simple problem. <laughs> because like it took the global recession and uh, credit crunch to just like get me voluntary redundancy. I could have just quit, but I, you know you don't want to quit. So it's like they offered me voluntary redundancies. Like yes, I'm out of here, you know. And then um, yeah, started just kind of doing comedy uh, writing and uh, and voiceovers. Well, we will talk a bit about your comedy now because um, good. I've been waiting with <laughs> talking about St Andrews and all that. You know, it's like when we get on, I've got a show. You know, let's do this. <laughs> well, I might not now. All right, sorry, I, like, I do apologise. Yes, it was a terrible time. Anyway, listen, we will we will move on to your comedy because uh, you mentioned there your superpower, and uh, I have to say, Jamie, I came to see you. Uh, the Stan Comedy Club here in Glasgow about a year ago maybe it might be a bit longer and uh, you were on the bill with Stu Who it was an RNIB event yes. and I cannot tell you how incredibly funny and this is not lip service because I wouldn't say it otherwise and people know that of me but I've heard other blind comedians before and sometimes I think you know blind humour can be a little bit obvious now maybe that's because I'm a blind person other people have found it funny because they're not blind whereas I found it a wee bit too obvious and maybe it's because I've found myself in certain situations now the funny thing is I'd found myself in situations that were similar to yours but you were absolutely hysterical in the way you told your stories and I have never laughed so much at a gig well that's blushing here thanks <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's very kind that's, that's, that's lovely feedback yeah thank you very much I, I, well, I suppose I don't intend to go out as a blind you know the, the humor's not always blind but if i'm talking about a story like I, i've not got sight in it so you've got to you've got to put the blindness into it you know because it, it just makes it real and people just laugh at real events i know when to stop crossing the line you know I, i'm not i'm never going to go onto stage and t- start talking about how like jaws is bad on facebook because that just won't translate but the stuff like i talk about like my wife you know we've just got married and um you know, my wife, I thought, you know, would use you to set up home with and have children and all that. My wife just uses me to skip cues. Oh, listen, yeah, yeah my husband does that as well. And so did my mother. She yeah. was a great one for actually fighting with car park attendants because there was no space. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's, yeah, yeah. She, my, my wife is living the para la vida loca. <laughs> she is absolutely loving it. She gets all the perks, blue badge. <laughs> you know, half price TV license. You get a thought. I think we get something off our train tickets. It's yeah, wonderful. Yeah, she's, yeah. she's she's loving it, and uh, so I talk about all that, and, and and people like blind people and sighted people can relate to it because I'm, you know, I intend to I intend to um, appeal to a broad church. Well, you certainly do. I mean, obviously, people get their inspiration from something or somebody, and I just thought your sense of humour and the way you went about telling the stories were so relatable to somebody that had lost their sight, but also the people around me who were all sighted were absolutely killing themselves as well. So, you know, it, it, it was really refreshing, really, really cool. refreshing to hear that. And I enjoyed it thoroughly. I really did. Who are your inspirations? A comedy-wise, there's so many. You know, there's like the old guard, you know, like I, I really like, um, of course, you've got Billy Connolly and then you get Kevin Bridges and all the Scottish guys are really good. And there's, there's some really good guys that you probably won't know, like um, like Susie McCabe and, and guys from the circuit that are very, very funny. Gary Little, there's Ray Bradshaw, some good guys. And then the big names like Dylan Moran. I like the storytellers, you yes. know, because that, that's what I am. I'm, I'm, I just get a subject and I... I'm doing new stuff just now on like Polish weddings. I'm doing um, actually I'm doing some stuff on the RNIB. Which, All right, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I might do it in the RNIB gig, um, but um, yeah, we'll have to see. I just I just want to see if the RNIB's got a sense of humour. <laughs> 
I won't go in too far. The RNIB are lovely. Talking book service is smashing. They are indeed. And Very we're going good. to talk about that in just a little while. But uh, when did you actually realise that, that you were a funny guy and wanted to take it further? Because I know a lot of very, very funny people, but they wouldn't necessarily get up and want to entertain people on stage. In fact, that is a really, really brave thing to do. I did the um, open mic stuff, and I, I did that first, and I, I really, really enjoyed it. I got really nervous, but the open mic scene now is, it's not that you just think, right, I want to do a bit of comedy, and you phone up a comedy club and say, can I do your open mic night? They go, yeah, sure, we've got a slot free in a year and a half. I think I got, it was the Comedy Cafe in Shoreditch, which is sadly closed now, but I um, phoned up, you know, I built up the courage, and I said, can I get a slot? I said, yeah, come down in October. It's like February. It's like, God! So you're like panicking right? you put out your mind for a bit but you're panicking you've got to kind of drum up and you just get five minutes and such is the build after six months you're in, you know like come on and you got and it went very well and had a really good time but then I'd left banking I was actually doing a bit of writing I was trying to write some film scripts for some people and uh, then I wrote a play in 2012 with, uh, with a mate and that was alright and we put it on at the fringe and, and it got it got not bad reviews it got some terrible reviews um, and I remember thinking like they were all on stage and I wasn't. I just produced it and um, written it and um, thought I was quite jealous of that. And then I thought in 2013, I'll just go for it. And I wrote a show and I got involved with a, a theatre director who I still work with today, a guy called Tony Cowney, who works at the Lyceum and we put shows together. I'm now working on my fifth Edinburgh Fringe show, solo show called Designated Driver. Just fantastic, it really is. And do you make a full-time living out of comedy now then? I make... A full-time living out of comedy, and I do voiceovers as well. So I've done, you know, some stuff on TV and um, radio for, yeah, for whoever does it. I mean, to be honest, like, I will voiceover napalm. If you're <laughs> not, I don't take ethics into the uh, sound booth. Voiceovers and comedy, I managed to, 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 um, to get my money. Fantastic. Well, you mentioned talking books earlier yes. on, and uh, I know that uh, you are a fan of talking books, aren't you? Oh, yeah, yeah, ever since there was that big weird tape thing. <laughs> Do you know, I never had the big weird tape Did thing. You know? I don't know if that was after my time. It or was 2000. It... I think they stopped. They started sending out CDs in about 2004 or five, that kind of time, I think. And then right. went to CDs and now it's, now it's digital. Now you don't have to do anything. I know, it's fantastic, really isn't it? Good. Very good. Really, really good. It, and to be able to, to kind of get it at the drop of a hat, and like everybody else, I think is a fantastic thing as well. It's so accessible. Until you get one of those ones that was recorded in the 70s, don't you? Mrs. Partridge was away, <laughs> other way, and we wanted to. So, and all the characters are the same voice. And I was the same voice. Hello. Can I tell you something? Do you know, do you know the first book I ever got was uh, Mrs. Robinson's Day Out. I was living in Southern Ireland at the time, so it was an Irish kind of talking book. It was a dear little old lady that had, had read this book, but it was just so not aimed at me. I mean, I was 19 and I was, you know, wanting, you know, to have a boyfriend and I was going out clubbing with my pals. Yeah. So Mrs. Robinson's Day Out wasn't really my kind of thing. But um, in saying that, it didn't put me off, you know, and, and not all books. It, it's like anybody has this site. You're not going to enjoy every book uh, that, that you pick up but uh, it is such a remarkable service it really really is oh it's wonderful it's, I'm being very cheeky there but I am just seeing the um, modern day recordings that are done kind of professionally are, oh exactly it's night wonderful. and day yeah. absolute night and day well you know that talking books used to come on vinyl really yeah I mean they started out on vinyl uh, and I think you used to get about six boxes of vinyl delivered oh, to I remember the RNIB tapes uh -huh. when I first went to um, St Andrews it was still tape 
I think it was already in Wuthering Heights and a book called Beloved and another couple of key texts that were quite big books and a prison sack full of tapes arrived. Like <laughs> I'm talking like 150 tapes. And I, was like, I was like, this is unmanageable. Like, I just couldn't get it. And it was all these Wuthering Heights. You know, <laughs> it's like, oh man, it's these guys again. And um, I, 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 I failed English. <laughs> <laughs> Well, listen, speaking of talking books, you do have a gig coming up later on this month, don't you? And uh, it's an aid of RNIB in talking books. It certainly is. It's um, it's in the Edinburgh stand, uh, which is a fantastic club. Uh, it is on the 28th. It's, it's, it's next week, isn't it? No, it's two weeks. It's uh, the 28th of March, I think about 8 o'clock at night. And I'm on, and Tom Stade's on. He's an excellent, he's he's very funny guy. He's done Live at the Apollo and everything. He's a uh, Canadian guy. And uh, you are a very, very, very busy man because uh, you've actually got a gig coming up tonight at the Stan Comedy Club in Glasgow. Yeah, it's it's the big one. It's um, it's the Glasgow International Live Comedy Festival just now. So there's loads of great comedy on at the moment throughout uh, Glasgow. But the best one is tonight at half past seven. Um, I'm going to be in the, uh, as you say, the stand in Glasgow. So that's a big, big old barn of a place. And I'm doing my full show, High Viz, uh, five stars, uh, Ed Fest, consistently hilarious. Consistently hilarious. Uh, the list, a performer of great warmth and wit. Not my words, right. Jill, not my words. <laughs> well, listen, I completely agree with them. And I have to say, you did a joke uh, last year when I saw you about... Um, Getting out of a taxi as uh, a blind superhero, blind man, yeah. and uh, stepping in Dogder and going into your, your shooting with the nuns. And it was absolutely comical. It really was. I have never laughed so much in all my life. So um, I do hope you revisit that at some point. I might do. That will be in the greatest hits. That was from my show Oblivious from 2015. Like at the end of um, an Edinburgh Fringe, I just shoot the show dead and start a new one. So um, it's even funnier tonight. Um, it's going to be as high vis. I'm going to be talking about my wife. Um, I've been being married. I'm going to be talking about what other... Bl- oh, taxi drivers. They're always good with blind people, aren't they? Absolutely <laughs> fantastic. They just write themselves. and uh, It's very, very funny. You should come along. Well, having seen your show before... Actually, it's not £8. Everyone who listens to this, it'll be getting the concession ticket, which is like £6. That's money out of my pocket, people. Oh, fantastic. And then I'm getting hammered on VAT. Do you know VAT? Like, when it was 17.5%, nobody knew what they were getting ripped off. But you see when it went up to 20%, everyone can do their 20 times table. Exactly. Wow, I'm getting punished. Exactly. It's so, so true. Well, I have to say, uh, I will endeavour to come along tonight and uh, I I won't take the concession. (laughs) <laughs> I won't take the concession because I'm a nice person. You're very kind. But it's so good to catch up with you, Jamie. It really, really is. It's been so fascinating talking to you. And obviously, if anybody does want to come along and see Jamie tonight, you're at the Stand Comedy Club in Glasgow. You've also got a website where all your gigs are uh, listed. So uh, give us your website. Uh, yep, www.jamie-mcdonald.co.uk. And I'm also on Twitter and Facebook at uh, That Funny Blind Guy. And I take it it's all fully accessible. It's not actually, it's got a lethal set of stairs. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, you have a great gig and thank you so much for joining us here on RNIB Connect Radio. Thank you very much. For more downloads like these, visit rnibconnectradio.org.uk slash podcasts.